welcome to the Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. This is the show where I do improvised horror stories. What I do is I pull out random titles from a jar, and I make up the stories from there. And if you have any titles that you'd like to submit, you can send them off to quarantinespookshow at gmail.com, or send them to me directly. think I have too many things to say on the top of the show, other than that there's some sort of weirdness that I can't quite describe. But we'll see how that factors into the show. Anyway, let's begin. Okay, this story is called Faces, Faces Everywhere. It's one thing to go out in public somewhere, uh, maybe in a rural area or just some supermarket in a town somewhere. But when you're in a city environment, you're constantly inundated with faces. From different walks of life, different backgrounds. Those faces you don't recognize until you're in one environment long enough and you start to see the same versions of the same faces over and over again. It's also something that affects your dreams. If you live in a city, you may know what I'm talking about. If you live in a city and you go to sleep to dream, you'll have many dreams where you encounter a lot of strangers. These strangers may have uh, meshes of faces that you've probably seen in public and didn't even notice. And yet they'll still appear to you regardless.
turns into a very unique and specific outlook on humanity. And just what the mass of humanity really looks like. I never lived in a city before, but when I started living and working in one, I was really swept away by all the phases and all the fleeting interactions that can occur. Everyone had a wide array of different personalities. with similar presets to similar dispositions which may or may not have been exclusive to the region when I got the call for a mask making apprenticeship I was floored excited to say the least All my life, I wanted to work in the arts to some capacity. Didn't matter if I was in the spotlight or not. Uh, didn't matter if I was in the spotlight or not. But I love special effects makeup. I love costume design. And I love masks. I was obsessed with slasher films growing up. seeing the different monikers and the identities that killers would have when they'd prey on their victims. And I love when you compare uh, different slasher sequels together. The slight subtle subtleties and modifications that the special effects team would have on the masks and the costumes for the killers. When I talked to a lot of fans of horror, it wasn't something that they always noticed. But when I was a kid, I'd always pick it up. I even watched Tom Savini's documentaries on special effects and creating gore and masks and all that. And creating faces. something very beautiful in the concept of creating a new identity, creating a new face. And on a personal and certainly an artistic level, it was something that I wanted to explore the most. So I spent a couple months prepping for the apprenticeship. I moved to the 
city. Got a small apartment with a roommate. Got a part-time job so I can make ends meet, so to speak. Which became harder and harder every pressing day in this world. But perhaps that's a conversation for another time. Nevertheless, I was excited. It truly felt like I was living the dream, or someone's dream at least. first day of the apprenticeship, I was nervous. Probably more than I should have been. I mean, it was something I was excited about. Felt like something I was destined, destined for, you know? And I always feel jittery uh, before a new experience. Before any experience that risks uncertainty. But I had a different kind of uh, jittery feeling when I met with the mask maker. to a studio in South Philly. Knocked on his door, waited a bit. I heard some shuffling, uh, and footsteps that grew, grew louder and louder towards the door. And then it opened, and there he was. And he said, oh, you must be Caleb. I said, uh, yeah, 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 that's right. He said, well, yeah, come on in, come on in. Don McKellen may, may have been, might not have been the most recognizable name in show business or for cinephiles or moviegoers. But his presence was certainly known. I saw a horror movie uh, with him where he did the work on it. I could always tell his signature, his style. It would always stand out. It would get to the point where if I was watching a horror movie he worked on uh, between the 80s and 90s, I wouldn't even note it. And I didn't know he was in it. I just was like, oh, it seems like a Don McKellen kind of special effects. And then surely it was. I went to his house and studio, and upon walking in, it was everything you could dream an artist's home to be. Art everywhere. Papers around, different projects here and there. Notes and equipment all sprawled around. But I didn't see a lot of masks, which was a specialty. 
would either make masks for to be sold for public distribution or he would work on facial designs in horror movies and gore he definitely loved gore but he did a plethora of different types of designs some the classic slasher gore sometimes he delved into science fiction But all of his work had a specific characteristic that I couldn't quite put my finger on. Some sort of real, I want to say realism, but it was more than that. There was a humanity to it. And that was the exact thing I wanted to learn from him. Don chuckled and he said, oh, you're probably wondering where all the masks are. And I said, oh, well, that's, uh, that was my first thought, but, uh, yeah, I thought I'd see more around. And he's like, yeah, I got them, you know. I only keep them in one room of the house, you know. I don't always like to look at faces all day because I'm kind of working on it. And I said, oh, I guess I, I guess I get that. But when you want to, if it's your life, life's passion, then when you want to be exposed to it all the time. He chuckled again, uh, a laugh that I'd learned pretty quickly. And he said, uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes you just need some rest. Sometimes you need a break. Apparently he was finishing up breakfast. Uh, I came a little bit earlier than I said I would. And based on the way the train schedule was, I just kind of popped in earlier. Instead of just like waiting around for 30 or 40 minutes, I was just excited to meet him. But then I said, I hope I didn't catch you off guard or anything. And I said, no, no, you're fine. He had a kitchen table where he was eating breakfast. Apparently he was finishing up, finishing up an omelette and some hash browns. Had a cup of coffee with him. So I sat at the kitchen table and started to drink his coffee. And he said, you can have a seat if you'd like. I'm just going to finish eating real quick. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And he said, uh, you don't have to be so formal or anything. I uh, hope that we can uh, get along while we're working together. And I said, yes, yes, of course. And they said, uh, so... Over the phone, you said that you were into special effects, eh? And I said, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I just love horror movies, uh, and I love your work. Yeah, and I love, like, working with latex and woods and metals and creating faces and masks and stuff. And, of course, I'd really want to learn from the best. And he chuckled again. Again, a very familiar chuckle that become even more familiar each time. And he said, uh, uh, you don't think Tom Savini's the best? And I said, well, I mean, the thing about Tom Savini is he's superb at gore, definitely a master at that. But I feel like when you make a face, it has, like, its own character to it, you know? And based on interviews, uh, that I've had with actors and stuntmen that 
were these faces that you made. You know, they'd always acclimate their acting uh, to to the face itself, you know? Um, like, when they see the face, it's like, oh, that's who I am for this role. And I think that's a very profound thing to accomplish. Don seemed flattered, uh, but he also had a look on his face that maybe he heard it before. I certainly wasn't trying to kiss ass, I was just trying to be honest. But he tried to hide his smile and he said, yeah, you know, a lot of the actors that uh, wear my stuff, uh, they tend to be horrified. And I said, well, there's so much beauty in horror, isn't there? And he said, yes, there absolutely is. When he was finishing up his plate, got up and started washing the kitchen and from the sink he said yeah so I guess uh, the basic job uh, would be pretty simple you know I uh, sell a lot of masks uh, for commercial retail you know I get a lot of commissions people who just want to buy stuff usually on a work day I'd like to make uh, three masks a day um, then I close commissions if I got like a movie job or something Maybe like a, a work on a play or something like that. So what you'll mainly be doing is you'll be doing the basic molds of a mask. What I'll do is I'll give you a sketch of it. And you'll do like the head shape, you know, dry out the latex if it's made of latex and all that. And then from there I'll add on and carve out the finer details. And along the way, you know, ask me any questions that you may have. Uh, I'll try to make my technique as transparent as possible for you. Yeah, just come in three days out of the week. And if I happen to get, like, some sort of show business gig uh, sometime soon, I'll invite you to that. I'll be able to come in and work at the same hours. Maybe a bit longer, depending on the production. Does that all sound good to you? And I said, yes, absolutely. You know, can't think of anything I'd rather want. And he said, uh-huh. grabbed his coffee and he was like, alright, let's uh let's go to the uh the art room. See where the magic happens.
We went up to the second floor. We went to a door uh, that was closed. And he pulled out an old key and unlocked it. And he turned to me and he was all like, you know, it's not improbable, but improbable that I'll get robbed or someone to break in or anything. But if they do, they're not getting into this room. When we went to the room, I could see why he closed off his work from the rest of the house. So many masks all over the room. All on display over their walls. And a lot of diagrams and designs for other mask and costume ideas. Latex and wood and metal in one corner of the room. A desk with a head mold already on it. There are probably upwards of a hundred masks displayed all around. And he said, yeah, keep up with this, uh, keep these masks on display. These are some of my favorites. I got a lot of, uh, other ones in storage, you know. I might sell some of those down the road. You know, when you grind at something for a long time, sometimes it's hard to motivate yourself uh, to keep doing it. Which is human nature, it tends to happen. But when I keep these masks up, you know, seeing how far I've come, that's really all the motivation I need. Okay, so you're basically just going to watch me, uh, you know, make these masks. And next time we come in, uh, you'll start doing some basic molds. And we'll start officially start the process together. And words can't describe the supreme pleasure I got from watching him work. It reminded me of the kind of things I would hear about Jack Kirby or someone with like that. The way Jack Kirby would work is if he would start an illustration, he would just put his head down and start working. And not look up and deviate from it. And do that for hours. Until he made some sort of masterwork and then lifted up his head and exited the trance. And Don had a similar technique to it. You know, he'd mostly be focused. And then occasionally he would just say something like, Ah, fucking shit. And kind of blurt that out. Or he'd say something more positive and be all like, Ah, there we go. In this case, he, he occasionally uh, 
address me directly and say like, uh, the way I, the reason why I carved this part out here is because so-and-so and such-and-such. -and -such. Or, yeah, I wanted to get this earlobe more like this, but I didn't think about that until halfway through, so I had to, like, stretch it out. And in the last hour of him working, he said, Yeah, so feel free to ask questions. Not really a great teacher, you know. But I'm happy to make my process as transparent as possible. And then he finished the mask, and it was beautiful. like a guy who grew up in New England uh, and then had a meat cleaver stuck in his head. He used a piece of scrap wood he found in a junkyard in Philly and then incorporated that into the work. But it didn't just quite look like a meat cleaver. He made it, he molded it in a way so it looked like it was growing out of his head. facial expression of the face was it wasn't so much he was being freaked out by getting a meat cleaver in his head he was more alarmed that a meat cleaver was growing out of his head and at looking at the mask you couldn't tell if he was attacked by a meat cleaver or if one was growing out of his head That was a profound thing about Don's work. All of his work was open to interpretation. Just like the way people are. And Don said, yeah, well, I guess I don't really grind as hard as I used to, you know. I have a pretty solidified career at this point. I'm just doing my best to enjoy myself and make a basic living, you know. But if I'm working at my own pace, I basically work, I make like what, like one mask a day if I'm really into it. So if we're working together, we can get out three masks a day. And usually I, usually I put the grind on if I'm like working on like a bigger project and they have like deadlines and setups and all that. said, wow, uh, do you have a name for this mask at all? And they said, uh, his name is Joe. And he just ended it there. He said it in a way like he wasn't naming the mask. But he, so he solidly said, no, this is who this person is. And I respected it. And then I said, without really thinking about it, Wow, where do you get your ideas from? And he laughed probably the hardest that I've heard him uh, throughout the day with him. And I said, oh, sorry, I know that's kind of like a generic question or annoying or a question that doesn't really have an answer. Uh, sorry. And he said, no, 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 it's it's fine. Um, no, no, most people don't know where they get their ideas from. 
but I do. Now I get my ideas from dreams. And I said, yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I found stuff in living in a city. I just see so many faces around, you know? And he said, yeah, that's basically it. I see a face uh, in a dream that I have. And then I, uh, yeah, and then I put it in the mask here. And at the time, I thought those first few weeks were truly profound. If you were to ask me at the time, I'd say it was probably the most creatively fulfilling period of my life up to that point. But now I don't quite feel that way anymore. By the time, it was great. I certainly didn't know any better. I'd come in, and uh, he'd go over the day's masks. He'd show me some diagrams he sketched and sketches he did either the night before or early that morning. And then he'd give me certain parameters of uh, what size he wanted it at, or the hues and colors of it. Or whether if it was even a human pa- human face or some sort of monster or creature. And he'd always talk about these concepts like they were actual people. And it was very important to depict them as accurately as possible. two human masks, and he talked about them like they usually did. And he said, oh, yeah, this one's, uh, this one's name's Brian, uh, yeah, he was a accountant for the first ten years of his life, and then he pivoted the real estate, and it was kind of working out well for him uh, until he got a divorce from his wife and he kind of struggled a bit uh, but he was fine financially though um, but it definitely left him with an empty, emptiness that he that took him a bit of a long time to fill but he's found a way to adapt and to cope and he eventually found love somewhere along the way 
That's the way he would speak about these people, like he was telling a life story in the span of a few minutes. Sometimes longer if he was really passionate about it. And the time we're referring to is, uh, yeah, there are two human masks, and then one that was some sort of creature. Its skin was probably shades of gray or blue. Maybe some kind of humanoid creature, uh, from like a science fiction horror of some sort. very long nose and very dark black round eyes and all I said about that one was was, yeah I don't know what that is and I don't know what their deal is so all I have to go on is visually you know it could be an alien out somewhere doing something else that has nothing to do with humans, I don't know. But yeah, that one's gonna be tricky, but just do your best on that one. I'm not this isn't exactly a point system where I'm docking you off or anything. You know, that's what this whole whole thing's about. Just do your best, you know, give it all you got. Try to be as honest as possible, and then more often than not, everything else falls into place. What I also would have said about that period it was also the most creatively challenging part of my life. Again, up to that point. It started off with just the endurance of work and really trying to muster everything I got to make the best piece that I possibly can. Whether it was mask making or special effects or not, I really wanted my work to capture the spectrum of the human experience all in the flash of an instant. Of course, I learned about technique from Don uh, that I still use today. But he also taught me taught me a lot about the soul of a work. Which is something you can certainly read or listen to interviews about from any sort of artist interview. some sort of uh, blog or forum site or something. But it was a whole nother ball game to put into practice. It was a responsibility too. I was representing something very, very important with these ideas that came from his head. Ideas that can certainly come from anywhere in anyone's head, but 
just felt like I had to do it right. And he'd give me some critical feedback about how I did, you know. He was pleased with some of my work, and other times he was just like, uh, oh, you could have really done better on this one, or just like, uh, oh, these eyes, uh, don't really match too much. They're not perfectly uh, symmetrical. And for that, I would say something like, oh, well, uh, you know, I didn't think their eyes were symmetrical. I mean, no singular person's face or per perfectly symmetrical, you know, not necessarily someone having a lazy eye or anything, but, you know, it's the same way that people have uh, two different sized feet, you know. When we think of humans, we think of symmetry, but that's not always the case, is it? It's never perfect symmetry. And he said, uh, no. I suppose not. Alright, I see where we're getting at here. Whenever he criticized uh, how I did something, I always had to defend it. If I had a good enough reason for it, or if it felt something I, was, I felt really strongly about, and something that also contributed to his vision as well. He'd usually let it go. Let it go. But there is plenty of technical aspects that I was still a novice in. That he gave me encouraging and critical feedback on. So after about two months working with him, he said, uh, you know, how about you want to make a mask along all by yourself? And I said, really? Are you sure? And he said, yeah, yeah, I want to see how you do. You know, it's kind of a slow week for commissions and all that. So I was thinking I'll just work on one mask and you can work on another and I'll check in on your process and we can kind of, kind of talk about it when you're finished. I said, oh, wow, yeah, I could totally do that. I don't have any uh, ideas for masks or anything. And I said, yeah. Yeah, that, that can be tough. I'll tell you something that always helps me. to the drawer of his desk fished around in it and then pulled out a false bottom and then he pulled out, pulled out a, a little jasper stone and he handed it to me and he said This was given to me uh, from someone very important to me. Uh, yeah, that's all. That's, that's as much as I'm going to go into it. Um, anyway, he was getting trailed off. He was getting lost in thought. Apparently that uh, Jasper Stone had a lot of sentimental value to him. In ways I didn't quite understand at the time. I 
said, yeah, so, you know, sometimes if I have some sort of creative block, uh, I keep the stone with me. And then I have interesting dreams, and I always have a mask idea the next day. I think I can make do without it for one night. So if you want to hang on this, this keep it by your nightstand or something, uh, and bring it back tomorrow, you know. I'm sure you have some, get some ideas from your dreams. I could probably help out. And I said, oh, wow, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. someone that always had wild dreams uh, often they were chaotic and random and reflected based on the stress that I had the day before or any stress I have about the day after when I had the jasper stone on my nightstand this dream had more of a honed in focus like I was being sent a direct message whereas underneath a waterfall it's probably the most accurate description of what a dream was like with that jasper stone nearby I had a vision of an older man. It was probably somewhere in the mid-1980s. He was in a flannel, he had a cane, he was in a lawn chair. He was sitting outside of a bar that he owned. And just sat there and people watched. Even though there weren't a lot of people coming by. Based on his disposition, he could have been sitting there for 20 years, who knows. But watching the dream, it was watching, it was like watching his entire life unfold. And also it felt like a singular moment. The most vivid impressions I had were when people were walking up to him and making conversation with him. I didn't know anything about this man's life. But the people who talked to him certainly respected him and knew him very well. That whole time, uh, I was studying his face. As someone who was into making masks, uh, 
faces and facial expressions were the were the most vivid detail I had uh, moving through the world. But they were definitely the most vivid during this dream. I was looking at all of his wrinkles, the way he lived, all the variety of, emotion, of emotions he had during his life. thing that I remembered most was his smile. Looking back, I think it was because it took him effort to smile, if that makes sense. Like there was some sort of sadness and suffering in his eyes. When he smiled, he did it uh, in spite of that. And I could tell it took him a lot of strength to do. I guess it also seemed like it, he was doing it with ease. But I woke up in a cold sweat, and I was like, wow, what a rush. So I made it back uh, the next day the Dunn's house and studio. And I handed him back the stone and he said, oh, so you got any ideas? And I was like, oh, yes, absolutely. And I got to work even before he did. said the other weeks working with Don at the time. It's probably one of the most invigorating creative experiences I've ever had. I wasn't doing a horror mask or anything like that. I just wanted to depict the person. I got the mold down. I got the layers of latex set up. I was in the zone more than I've ever been in my life. And occasionally Don would give me some supporting or maybe critical comments. And I said, uh-huh, yeah. I just could not break the trance. I refused to do it. It took me longer than I expected, but I finished it. To the best of my ability, it was the exact same man for my dream the night before. Don looked at it. And he said, okay. I really like his smile. And I said, yeah, yeah, thank you. And he said, yeah, it's very human, very human. What's his name? And I said, his name is, uh, 
fuck. I'm so sorry. I forgot his name. I forgot his name. I know his name was in the um in the dream somewhere. But I honestly don't remember. And he said, no, no, it's okay. Um just be mindful in the future. Uh when you depict or represent someone. Make sure you do it with respect, that's all. And I said, yeah, yeah, you're right, okay. And he looked at the mask, and he looked at me. And he said, uh, you wanna get a drink? And I said, uh, yeah, sure. I definitely have to wake up early for work tomorrow, but I certainly have time. And he said, all right, I'll get my, uh, I'll get my coat and stuff together. I'll meet you downstairs. And I said, yeah, yeah, great. I looked at the mask. I was very proud of my accomplishment. Proud of the, all the culmination of my work and my effort on this one singular image. It was a very profound artistic moment to me. Until I heard a voice that said, let me go. I thought I was hearing things at first. But I looked at the mask again, and even though it was smiling, his sadness behind it was much stronger much more present, like I was looking at an actual person. And I heard the voice that said, let me go. I was unnerved, I didn't know what it meant, looking at this face. It sounded like a person was pleading. downstairs and try not to think about it. My dad said, are you okay? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Um, let's, let's head out. So we did and went to a bar uh, about a block or two over. And we had some beers. Uh, I was drinking Yangling. He was drinking Corona. He was in a very celebratory move, uh, celebratory mood. Um, seeing an apprentice kind of flesh out his creative identity uh, right in front of his eyes and being an arbiter for that he was very excited for me but I still felt unnerved by the mask and he said uh, what's wrong shouldn't you be more excited and I said um yeah, yeah, it just feels like... Yeah, just thinking about the mask, it was, um... I'm just surprised how... Realistic it is, you know? He was silent for a bit. His face looked grim for a split second. And he said, yeah, I know that is. And I said, yeah, it's, um... 
Yeah, it's like there's the soul of that person, like, actually in it, you know? He said, yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes that's the price for great work. What are you going to do? He didn't really say much after that. Just kind of finished our drinks. And he was like, yeah, so good job today. I'll see you next week. And I was like, yeah, thanks, Don. Thanks. And I was his apprentice for maybe about another five months or so. It was fine. It was. I learned a lot artistically. And the dreams I have weren't quite vivid as they were that one night with the older man uh, giving a struggling smile. But they were still vivid. And the mask idea still kept coming. months, uh, I was becoming a little bit bashful about making masks with my own ideas. He said, are you sure you don't want to make your own mask today? I've got time to kill. I can help you out. He did his best to be encouraging. And I said, no, no, no. I, uh, I don't want to tamper with anything, anything sacred, you know. And he said, uh-huh. And then he got back to work. But those few months in that studio became absolutely unbearable. Because once I could hear the soul of that first mask that I made, I was able to hear the voices of the masks all over his walls. All about a hundred of them, if not more. screams their pleads their begs all wanting to be free I didn't quite know how I could do that I don't know how Don got this ability to channel these people or spirits or entities or whatever through his dreams somehow found a way to embody it into his work and trapping these souls in these masks. But somehow I also gathered the same ability. And of course I still do special effects and mask making still today. But now it just feels like I'm pulling punches. not willing to get too real in work. My work is very technically proficient. 
but there's always a darkness that I tried to avoid. Which really defeats the purpose of making art in general. And it left me in a sort of a creative purgatory. But I'll be damned if I could, if I would trap any of these spirits into my work un unconsensually. Because I remember the screams, the cries. Once the spirits in the masks knew that they could, that I could hear them, they spoke to me directly. They knew my life, they knew my past, they knew my desires. Some of them were kind, some of them were cruel. Marvel at Don, uh, but what kind of person do you have to be to tune all that out and be okay with trapping these souls? It was absolute madness those several months to hear all those masks. Constantly, their voices would follow me even when I left the studio. still linger with me today. It's forever tampered with my mask-making process. Every time I would try to make a mask, if I would get really into the zone and be really excited about the work that I do, I'd make it so realistic that it starts to become an actual person again. And then a new spirit would try to plead with me And if I felt that I'd make a, make a mask that uh, trapped a soul in it, I would destroy the mask, hopefully freeing the spirit. I don't know if that would do any good or not. I don't know if the damage was already done. That's why I don't look over my apprenticeship with uh, Don McKellen with fondness anymore. See, at the time I was young and I was, thought I was learning everything that I had to learn uh, to be an adept creative and to hone my craft. And in turn, I learned, uh, I learned about a very dark gift had to utilize it for personal gain and glory. And the most morbid fact that I can't ignore about learning about this dark ability from Don is that when I went to sign up to be his apprentice in the first place, exactly what I wanted. 
Well, that was Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. You all have a good night, or good morning, or afternoon, or whatever time of the day it is. But whatever it is, for the love of, for the love of God, in this world we're in, be good in some way. Kind, thoughtful, aware, whatever that means to you. Because um, we could all use more of it, I suppose. Anyway, good night.